Hi everyone, welcome back to Bearded Fruit. I first encountered the work of today's guest, Tiger Songbird, on Twitter, where he shares his article writing and sharp, insightful threads on asexual topics like asexuality and masculinity, virginity, asexual representation, and his own personal experience navigating aceness. What I find so striking about Tiger's online presence is its intelligence, sincerity, and vulnerability, qualities that don't often rise above the Twitter noise. In sharing himself, Tiger is opening space for others to speak their truths and claim their authentic selves. He's a voice I deeply appreciate in the ACE community. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Tiger Songbird is an Arrow Ace writer and asexual advocate who's been published in multiple online publications. He's currently working on a book titled Ace of Spades, about his experiences being an aromantic asexual in the culture. He is also head moderator of an asexual subreddit as well. Here's my conversation with Tiger Songbird. I first discovered you and your work through your Twitter account. And what really impresses me about the writing that you do around asexuality and the ace community in general is really twofold. One, I really am always impressed by your passion for justice. And I'm also really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing your experience and your life through your work. There's a, there's a considerable amount of authenticity and vulnerability that comes along with it. And so I was curious to start with, how did all of this begin for you? How did the, uh, the, the drive and the mission to do this work start? I think it just starts like any other. It starts organically. I think if it didn't start from a place of my authentic truth, it wouldn't have been anything. So I think I'd have to start with just the journey, the discovering I'm asexual in the first place. I didn't discover I was asexual I'm asexual until I was 26. And I had been searching for a long time, a lot of years. I had been trying to find out that answer since I was basically 17 in high school. So it took a long time. No one was mentioning asexuality when I was in school. Asexuality was not in any classes. I didn't get a, my school didn't have a sex education course. And I didn't really have the people around me that were discussing it either. So I was going into a world where I just felt like, okay, I feel weird. I don't feel like I'm trying to figure out where I fit in. And it took me so many years, so many like frustratingly like long nights and, and everything else. And then when at 26, I finally discovered it and discovered that I'm asexual. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I broke down and cried that night. And I felt like, wow, finally, I found what I was looking for this entire time. Ever since that moment and ever since I've discovered it and ever since I've officially come out, I've always wanted to speak up for other people so that they can. And um, they wouldn't have to go through the long journey that I did, the long and painful journey that I did. Yeah, that's something 
that I have heard from from many other ace creators or people who are like working and writing about asexuality is that idea of doing it so that so that someone be, all the folks behind us don't have to struggle in the same way that that we did as I relate really strongly to that it took me even longer I didn't come out until I was 42 so I I totally relate to that idea of once you find it it feels like an absolute relief and then taking that and making sure that someone else doesn't have to wait that long someone else doesn't have to go through that struggle I really appreciate that in your work uh, particularly, as I said before, the vulnerability. I love the way that you use your life experience as a foundation to sort of talk about these things. You're using, you're not just sort of like speaking about them in in general. You're really talking about how you and your life have lived these particular challenges and why the world needs to be different in order for those things to not um, happen to others. And I appreciate that a lot. What has been your experience once you started doing the work of people responding to it and and how do people engage with your content and respond to what you're doing you know i i've been having a really great receptive audience um i wouldn't say like i do it as an audience it's more like a community it's more like family so when i speak i speak not from my place but i try to speak and be receptive be conscious of that what i say and that i'm speaking for kind of the ace family in that regard my whole entire speaking is like this is for us this is for people who don't know about us to learn about us and that i'm kind of i wouldn't say an ambassador because that's you know putting me on a pretty high pedestal if i need to be that bridge where you come to get to know so many more then yeah uh let me do that i will be that person that way you can like okay i can clear up some questions or you know, clarify some statements because that's what I'm here to do. So I wanted to, to, to ask uh, about um, the use of songbird. I like how in your Medium bio, you call yourself a songbird that writes about asexuality and LGBTQIA plus rights. And it's also part of your name. And I guess I wanted to know why why songbird? What does that mean to you? And why does that language resonate with you and the work you're doing? So I would say the Tiger Songbird moniker, I think it matches the duality of my persona. The tiger, for me, uh, not only one of my favorite animals, but the tiger is fierce, strong, very passionate, wild at times. That's one dimension of myself. And then the songbird uh, part of me is twofold. For one, um, I love to sing. Anybody who knows me, I am a singer. I love to sing. I carry a tune in my own head. <laughs> so quite probably to the annoyance of neighbors. And and then the songbird is also, like you know, hummingbirds and all of the animals are, I think of them as peace. I think, you know, peaceful birds, tranquil. I think tiger and songbird kind of mix together because I'm like a fierce seeker of peace and hopefully wanting to bring that same piece to everyone else. That makes so much sense to me based on experiencing your work. There is such a fierceness in the way that you write about injustice and what you what you see as the obstacles for the community, but there is such a sense of like warmth and 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 that peace that you create for the people who you're in conversation with and your your energy in the online space is so warm and welcoming. 
Uh, and I like that you earlier said, and I, I absolutely see that in your work too, that it's not just you creating work, you're creating a sense of community. And that really shines through in your work too. So other than the work that you're doing, you're also working on a book called Ace of Spades. And I wondered what you could tell us about that project and what inspired it. Yeah. So I consider myself, if you see my Twitter handle, I always say um, Ace of Spades is the moniker or the title. So I consider that Ace of Spades because for one, I'm Ace and Spades because I'm Black and Black Ace uh, as well. So I've written uh, a few articles for a couple publications such as LGBTQ Nation about uh, what it's like being asexual and being Black um, at the same time. So being a Black asexual person. And I wanted to write a story, uh, my like story and my experiences growing up being black and asexual because there weren't really like any spaces available for people who were black and asexual when I was growing up. Quite frankly, for a lot of people, there were just like asexuality was seen as, for all intents and purposes, something that black people just weren't. Um, so I wanted to like write my experiences and then how I grew up in a culture, you know in Black culture, how I grew up in so many different cultures growing up, uh, being asexual, and how they all kind of like, I was clashing with those cultures, how I didn't feel I particularly fit in with those cultures, and then talk about like, you know, what we can do from the future to open up avenues for different shades of asexuality, and then also open up in those cultures for just asexuality to even exist in them. That's something that I'm writing about in this, I have a chapter on, you know, growing up in purity culture, which I grew up in, in the Bible Belt. I write a story about being asexual and being masculine. I write about a chapter of growing up with, you know, a matonormativity, which is like romance oriented, because I'm also not only asexual, I'm aromantic. So I have a lot of different chapters within this book that talk about like, how we can open up as a society for so many different shades of people and then talking about and the end of like asexuality when we talk about asexuality we open up for everyone else even if you're not asexual this is a book for you all of those those intersections that you described are things that are are not spoken much about in mainstream ace discourse and uh so like that it very much excites me that you will be writing a piece about it is that does it have a do you know what its future looks like is there um, is it on a track for the world to see at some point or, or so where, where is it? Um, I'm currently, I'm currently in the, uh, the drafting stage right now. So I'm writing, I've written a couple chapters of it. I still got quite a ways to go. I have it laid out in terms of a map, a roadmap. So, um, just getting it written. And then when you write things, got to make sure to get the proper citations and everything. And then also, you know, create a proposal to get it approved. But yeah, I'm kind of in the drafting stage. I always like to write before I come up with the proposals. My hope is if I continue on track, I can get it done with the writing, hopefully by next year, uh, by the turn in the next year and have it done and then try to find a publisher willing to publish it and let's, um, you know, have it ready to go. That way, you know, I just want to get this out there uh, for the world to see because um, I think it's a vital conversation, something that, you know, we all need to have personally. You mentioned a little earlier that you are both um, asexual and aromantic. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, for, I was most interested to which came first for you, uh, realizing you were asexual or realizing you were aromantic? 
the asexual part for me came first. The questions were always in my head of like, do I really want to be in a relationship? But I always felt like I was in so much pressure to be. I've always had pressure from family. I've had pressure from religious circles. I've had pressure from just plain society in general that they always thought, okay, I just need to, you have to be in a relationship. That's just what you have to do. That's what, you know, normal people say you have to do. And that's what you do to fit in, to be typical, to be, you know, not an, I guess, outlier in that degree. It took finding asexuality to find out like, okay, let's ask the question, did I really want this uh, to be in a relationship or did, did I want that because society told me to? And then that's when I started to like deconstruct, you know, there's a word in, I would say Christianity circles where they talk about deconstruction. And then in a way I kind of deconstructed like being asexual myself, this deconstructed all of my worldviews. And I was thinking, did I want to be in a relationship or did I want to, because society said I had to. And then that's when I learned I never wanted to. I just felt a lot of pressure because they said I had to. And at that moment, I just, it came to me, I was like, I never wanted that. And then I was like, oh, wow. I guess I am aromantic. Like, I just never really wanted that. I never, for my, like, to speak on my journey, I've never, like, been on a date. I've never been in a relationship um, in any capacity. I just grew up with that. I always, like, made up defenses, like, when people would ask, like, you know, I'm, studying for school. I'm working on my career. I'm focused on my career. I'm making up defenses just to make up for the fact I just never wanted to. I made up those because it was just a justifiable defense, you know, so that people wouldn't think I was just weird because I didn't want to. So I made up defenses. I made up lies to just get out of the situation. You know, when I came like years later, I think I discovered I was asexual and aromantic at this time. I was like 30. So a few years ago, and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I'm making up defenses. Like when I started seeing like all my friends start getting in relationships and I just like, I just never wanted that. <laughs> I never wanted that for me. I just like, it just doesn't feel the same way for me. You know, they, my friends, you know, they desire companionship in a way that I don't. Um, I like my friends and I like, that's as far as my relationships need to be. I th- that That's another topic for another day, how we don't value friendships but we like so hyper prioritize romance i guess i'm curious about how being aromantic and being asexual impact each other for you living in both of those experiences and living at the intersection of both of those experiences how for you do does asexuality influence how you experience your aromanticness and vice versa i'd say they run together for me they just you know, coincide in a way, you know, being asexual like influences, I guess, being aromantic and being aromantic influence. I'm asexual because like, I don't date. I don't want to have sex. Um, I don't want to have sex. Therefore, I don't want to date, I guess, in a way, or I guess I kind of run together, coalesce, mesh, mesh together. But it also like influences how I like see the world. I understand like what I need in terms of relationship. See, like I'm one of those people like, uh, there's a word I use all the time, like querencia is a word. It's a Spanish word. It means place of longing or place of want. Like, where do you go to when you need, you know, a break to get away, you know, 
break free of the stress, just trying to like, okay, I just need a little bit of space. And, and for me, I understand like my relationship needs much better than I ever did before. So like I can vocalize like what I need or what I prioritize in terms of relationship. I'm okay with hanging out with my friends, but like I'm a natural introvert at the end of the day. So I do need like that space, that time to like, let me get away from everybody. Just find a little space. I will just go to a basketball court, shoot a few hoops, you know, do a few drills. I'm back, you know, close the door, sing in my room, maybe for 20, 30 minutes. I'm back. So when it gets too stressful, I'm like, okay, now I'm back. I can be around people for certain amounts of time, but I do need my space. Uh, just give me my space for a little bit. I'll come back. Doesn't mean I am angry at you. We're getting to learn people who are like introverts better, which is really great. I, I've come to discover, you know, being through being arrow ace, what my relationship needs, what I prioritize, what I, you know, long for. Discovering that helped me discover myself. Discovering I'm asexual, discovering I'm aromantic helped me discover myself in full. For the first time, I feel like I know me just as well as I've ever known myself. Earlier, you talked a little bit about, um, but, but like your experience as an asexual and, and, and as an arrow ace person and uh, like masculinity and being a man in the community. And uh, it's something that I respond to in the way you talk about it, because uh, there, there are few of us that are visible and there are few of our stories that are being told. Like we mostly see uh, women or other sort of like uh, feminine identified folks uh, who are kind of put out front in the in asexuality or whose stories are getting told. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about like, how does, how, what is that experience like for you being arrow ace and a man or a masculinely defined person? I often write about that as well. So I write so much about like being an asexual guy. So as I mentioned, my pronouns, he, him, I am a cisgender guy. For a long time, we didn't see so much asexual and men. And I think there are so many more. I absolutely believe there are way more asexual men out there, but don't even know it. Society paints the picture of like men always have to have sex. Like no man, like when I was, you know, growing up, I was what I remember this episode on uh, Law and Order SVU. And I, you know, used to watch that. And there was an episode where um, a woman was like, and she said, no man would ever turn down a shot at sex or free sex. You know, I felt like a nobody because I was like, I guess I, you know, I don't want sex. I guess I just don't feel like a, you know, a real man. Because, you know, the Mulan song, I'll make a man out of you. You know, the Mulan song. <laughs> and uh, they always talk about, like, becoming a man. And always, you know, every movie, whether you were watching I didn't watch them, but until I was much older, but like the American High movies, now looking back in hindsight, you know, becoming a man, you got to become a man. That means like be super strong, be super buff. And, you know, they always get, you know, and one of those biggest things of like is having sex. And, and that's like becoming a man. That's what you have to do to be a man. Um, and growing up in church and growing up in the world, I was hit double whammy. Church was telling me that the only way to be a man is to grow up, get married. You know, they always called it the Peter Pan effect. If you're, you know, 30s and, you know, not married and all this stuff, you're just like a child never grew up, you know, man child. The only way to be a man was like grow up, marry, particularly marry a woman, have kids and be this family man. 
dog picket fence type living, you know, Ozzie and Harriet, your standard 1950s sitcom. And then the world was telling me that you got to get a bunch of women, and, and especially growing up in black culture and like black men, like it's, it was like masculinity was tied to like how much sex you're having. Like if you're having a ton of sex, like you're the man, you're awesome. Like you're a player, you're a Mac. Uh, so when I say Mac, I'm not talking the computer. I'm talking like the Mac, like Mac daddy. They would, that, that was a way to do it. Cause like you had to get a bunch of girls, a bunch of girls would have to want to have sex with you. You had to have sex with a bunch of girls. And if you weren't, I call it the, I don't know if you ever watched family matters um, but in the past, which was a 90s sitcom. So it's like, I consider it the Eddie Winslow versus Urkel effect or the fresh Prince versus Carlton effect. So like, if you're not the fresh Prince, you're like the player, you know, you're the cool, smooth, debonair, good looking, I guess. You know, I can smooth my way, smooth talk my way into, you know, any situation. And everyone looks at that person and say, I want to be with, you know, that person. You know, it's easy to have every girl's fantasy's a sharp dress man. On the other end, you have Carlton, who's kind of like, you know, the nerd, the geek, the square, the dorky one who everyone looks at as nobody wants to be that person because they think he's a dork and, you know, he's. I wouldn't say dweeby, but that's kind of how you would say it. There wasn't room anywhere in the middle. It's like you're either one or the other. Everyone was telling you, you got to be the Fresh Prince. Like, that's the way to be. For people who didn't want either, there just was no room for that. There was no room for people like me. I was considered, you know, I consider myself, I guess, an anomaly in that degree because it just wasn't an, an open room. So when I write about like asexuality and masculinity, I hope to open that door for people like me who grew up in a culture that was telling everybody, you got to do this to be cool. You got to get a bunch of girls, got to be smooth, got to be cool, you know, got to, you know, look like this and act like this and, and stuff like that. For people like me, who's like, I didn't want any of that. I didn't want to have sex. I didn't want to have, you know, get married or any of these things. And I just want to open the door for them and be like, yo, who cares what they think at the end of the day? Like, be be different be be you it took you know so many years and i think that was one of the biggest obstacles as to finding out why um i mean sexual 26 was like all these societal pressures when i found out that i'm asexual i just finally all of it shed away i still feel it from time to time that those pressures because society's gonna pressure people to do things when i found those i was finally able to just be myself for the very first time you reach this point where you find yourself and you feel you sort of feel free from those constraints in yourself. But I wonder how, how you then experience those communities that were exerting those pressures. What What is the experience like to sort of like exist in those other parts of your identity? Do you do you still feel like you can fully live the the sort of the like the masculine part of your identity, you can fully live the the religious part of your identity. How do you now as a content arrow ace person exist in those spaces when when some of those spaces probably are still perpetuating some of those harmful messages? I tend to just like I always say, I just there's a phrase of just saying, you know, be be authentic, be you. I've heard in some raps that it says, do you, you know, do you, you know, just kind of be yourself. I'm not so concerned about trying to fit in into those circles anymore, like masculinity circles, you know, those, I, I don't know what you call it, red pill uh, circle. I don't know those still exist anymore. I didn't ever care to fit in them in the first place, but 
I actually don't care to fit in those circles. I just care to be me. And that's why having an ace community, you know, making a community through Twitter, through Reddit, through the Instagram feed, I it kind of just makes it where I'm allowed to be myself, uh, to be true to who I am. I just kind of learned to, I don't want to say I've gotten to a point like I've, you know, enlightened, you know, <laughs> I've somehow become Voltaire, you know, I've come to a point where it's just like, if people don't accept that, I don't need to be with them. Um, if they don't think that I'm good enough in my current place to be um, asexual and be a guy, and they don't think that I fulfill the purpose of what they feel is the purpose of being, you know, masculine, then I don't care. I'm going to be myself at the end of the day. Myself is not incredibly tied to being a man, but it's not like my whole entire identity is found in trying to like prove my masculinity. Like I'm not going to be, you know, Scott Steiner in the ring, you know, flashing my, you know, gigantic biceps. I don't need to do that. I don't need to, you know, be macho man, Randy Savage, rest in peace, Randy Savage. I don't need to do that. Obviously I'm just going to, you know, myself, I feel, you know, I'm going to say this, I am enough and I'm going to believe that about myself. I am enough. And what anyone else thinks about that is their business. And if I don't, you know, fit according to your script of what you think life should be about or what you think I need to live like, I won't live up to it. I'm going to live and live it the way I feel I need to live it. I really love that. And and quite honestly, that comes through in your your online presence and your work so strongly. And I just know that you are inspiring many people to do that for themselves and to occupy that space for themselves and to believe that about them as well. We've talked about your your online content creation, you know, like content creation is its own like little weird world, all of its own, all of us out there making things for the internet. But I was curious to hear you talk a little bit about what it has been like just for you as a person to navigate and move through the ACE community. What has been your, you know, away from, from advocacy and create content creation, what has it been like for you to move through the ACE community? I discovered as asexual off of a previous search when I was 19 and I was, I actually had written like a post um, on a website. I, I can't find a post anymore. Unfortunately, I think the website, you know, is officially down, but it was a post on another website when I was, you know, written years ago, I discovered that. And then I read in the comments and I read a comment that said, the bottom line is you're asexual. When I went and said, Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I didn't notice that comment, I guess before, but I found it and I'm like, Oh, wow. And I typed it in and I started reading about it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am. And there were so many questions I had. I was like, you know, I found a video, I think, a years ago. I think it was a 2020 Dateline video uh, interviewing asexual people. And I was like, oh, wow, these people sound just like me. That sounds like me. I think at that moment, I didn't just hit the ground running. I, I was still asking so many questions. And then I went to Eamon and I went to Reddit and I discovered the asexual Reddit. So I read it and I was actually asked to become a moderator because I was like doing things in the RSexual subreddit. Like we started that from the ground floor, you know, just designing and stuff like that. And just kind of wanting to open a space where asexual people could come together and talk. 
on the web and and to see its growth now, I think it's like now it's seventy five thousand um, now uh, people on it, which is like oh wow wow, um, which is stunning and shocking. But it's just like wow, I just kind of wanted to open up those spaces, and then I didn't really feel comfortable like putting like my words out there. I would write obviously, but I didn't put my words out there until about a couple years ago. So like maybe a year ago. I made my very first post. Uh, I wrote a post for LGBTQ Nation for Ace Week. I actually pitched the idea to one of the editors of like, you guys, uh, if you need a post on asexual, because it's going to be International Asexuality Day. And it's like, hey, I could do you a post. I could give you a post. Because um, I was always writing anyway. I've always been a writer. That's you know how I get my word out there. I, I tend to think of myself as a better writer than I am a speaker. <laughs> so my words in print are better than my words that I articulate in speech because it gets my words a little more organized. So I wrote, pitched some idea and it's like, let me write a story. And that's when I wrote my very first post out there. And that's when it's just ever since then, I think I was 31, 32. Ever since then, I've been writing and trying to, you know, create a platform, create spaces for it. Hopefully the longer I go and the more this goes, I'm opening up spaces for other people to follow right behind me. Thank you for listening to Bearded Fruit. You can find Tiger on Instagram at Tiger Songbird and on Medium at Tiger Songbird, both spelled T-Y-G-E-R-S-O-N-G-B-I-R-D. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter at AceDadAdvice and on the web at AceDadAdvice.com. If you want more of our conversation as well as some other bonus asexuality content, including live hangouts, access to our Discord, and other cool stuff, become a patron at Patreon.com slash AceDadAdvice. And as always, if you dig what we're doing, leave a review or share the podcast with friends. Friends don't let friends podcast alone. See you next time.